You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. Uh, you know, I had the feeling that I wasn't good enough, that uh, I shouldn't actually say how I'm feeling. And I carried that with me for a really long time. All right, my guest today is my good friend Zach. He's here to tell us a little bit about his recovery journey as well as his new podcast, Broken Lenses. Welcome to the show, Zach. My name's Zach. I, uh, a little over uh, two years clean or sober, however you want to put it. I, uh, I do attend meetings quite regularly. I sponsor... I don't currently have anybody in the book. I think my last sponsee died. I don't have actual proof of that. They just stopped talking to me. <laughs> but yeah, um, I I got sober in uh, October of 2018. And to be honest with you, it wasn't my plan. I, sh- I started a new job. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of the guys that I was working with were, were sober, and I didn't even know it. And I was just uh, planning on not being loaded while I was at work. And now, two years later, I'm going to work every day. I can actually be uh, relied upon, and it's been, it's been a weird. It's been a weird ride. I think this is, I, I don't really know how else to explain it. So. What do you want me to talk about, Brett? Hmm. Oh, sh- <laughs> 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 All right, apparently Siri had a, an idea on what to talk about. Would you like to go into more detail on your story, or do you want to just talk about the new podcast? So, I grew up in... Or I guess I was born in, in Indiana, and uh, my parents uh, got divorced. Uh, and both of them got remarried. Uh, my dad then got divorced again. But uh, I lived with my mom uh, growing up, and I didn't really have didn't really have uh, a super close relationship with my dad because I was always with my mom and my stepdad. And uh, about seven years old, we moved to uh, Virginia for about three years. Uh, I remember in Virginia when uh, my mom and my stepdad came to me and my older sister one day and they they told us that uh, my dad said that he wanted my stepdad to adopt us and that it was completely up to me and my sister and both me and my sister said that, uh, you know, we didn't want that to happen. I think... Honestly, I think that my dad was just kind of at that point in his life where he didn't really know if he had anything to offer. Looking back at it, I think he wanted, I truly do think that he wanted the the best situation for us, even if that wasn't him. Uh, but both me and my sister said no. And uh, then I remember having a conversation a little bit after that with my mom and and my mom had told me that before her and my dad got together, 
that my dad told her that he wasn't going to be like his father. Uh, and my dad would wait for his dad to get home every day. He would, you know, he'd play, play games and play baseball. It was my dad's thing was baseball. And he would wait on the front porch for my grandfather to get home. And one day my dad was like six or seven. He never came home. And my dad told my mom that he wasn't going to be like his dad. He wasn't, he wasn't going to leave like that. But in his attempts to not, you know, to not be his dad, he did leave. You know, they got divorced when I was two, so I didn't really experience that uh, or didn't really know what the hell was going on. And then my stepdad came into the picture when I was six and a half, almost seven. They got together and uh, are still together to this day. But um, I remember when I was living with my, when we were living with my uncle, I was about six and uh, I had older cousins who were, I was six, they were nine and like 12. And like at that age, uh, that's a huge difference in, you know, what you're, what you're experiencing, what you can do and, and, and how you're living in the world, I guess. And my uncle told him to take me with them. And they told me when I fell and I scraped my knee, you know, I was, I was six, I was crying about it. Uh, and they would tell me, Hey, don't, uh, you know, guys don't cry about this stuff. We laugh about it. Uh, and, and I really took that to heart cause I wanted to, I wanted to keep up with my older cousins and, uh, it wasn't the, it's not the greatest advice. And I, I've recently gotten to that. Like, I know that I love my cousins to death. I know that they love me as well. And I don't think their intention was to tell me to, uh, not say how I'm feeling, but I wanted to, I wanted to spend time with them and I didn't really know to ask questions or that that was something that was probably not the healthiest thing to uh, do. And, uh, you know, that kind of shaped, uh, a lot of how I looked at the world, you know, very, very early in my life, I was looking at the world from the perspective of, uh, you know, I had the feelings I, I wasn't good enough that, uh, that, uh, I shouldn't actually say how I'm feeling. Uh, and I carried that with me for a really long time. Uh, we moved out to Arizona when I was 10. And uh, I had a friend in 5th in and 6th grade. And the middle schools out there are 7th, uh, 8th, and ninth grade. And the summer between 6th and 7th grade, we found out he had cancer. And I I gravitated towards towards him because he was one of my closest friends, and uh, I I wanted to be there. I didn't want him to to be alone. I wanted you know I wanted to make sure that he knew that I cared. Uh, so I spent spent most of my junior high with him, and I wasn't I wasn't the greatest student in in junior high. I think the the thing that made it hard for me was all the tests that I would take said that, uh, I knew what was going on, but, uh, I really, I think I wasn't challenged enough or again, I didn't, I didn't ask questions as to why I had to do homework or why it was so important. And over the last two years, I've started to, I feel like I've started to figure out 
why my teachers harped so much on on doing homework because it was just small like, it was just small little habits uh, small little habits that will will benefit me in the future which it's really hard to see that uh, when I'm only looking at like well I don't want to do it now how is it gonna benefit me in the future I spent a lot of time with him and he passed away like two weeks before I turned 17 and in our household my you know my stepdad is a doctor and uh, my mom got to stay at home and and take care of us kids and you know take us to to music lessons and you know all the all the other extracurricular activities we really didn't have limits as to like what we could do if we wanted to do it my parents just wanted us to to experience it all and to have every opportunity in the world and I'm eternally grateful for that but during that time I didn't really take advantage of that I I didn't really know that like that's what they were trying to do or I'm I'm grateful for my stepdad and my mom because I could have ended up so much worse off uh where I had all the I had all these opportunities and now I'm starting to to use all the stuff that they tried to give me back then so anyways yeah we get to uh we get to Arizona been there for the better part of the last 20 years and they didn't really know what was going on with me in high school. I was my sisters called me the golden child cuz I I really learned how to live two different lives. I call myself a late bloomer because besides having uh a beer at 4 years old, uh I didn't start drinking until I was 17. One of my friends parents went out of out of town we were watching the house and uh we all decided it was gonna be a great idea like any other kid does when parents go out of town to have a party i uh, had two or three beers right off the rip we we're playing beer pong and i found uh i found one of those red solo cups filled with uh, vodka i realized real quick it was vodka and definitely didn't tell anybody and just down like down the entire cup couple hours later i wake up and i've got dicks drawn all over my face and you know all these different stuff that people draw on you when you're at a party with your friends i had snuck out uh, i was grounded at that point and i get back to my house and first thing i do before i go inside i puke in the front yard after i get on my buddy's car and somehow i make it upstairs and into my bed i remember my mom coming in the next morning and looking at me and was like, what's all over your face? And I'm like, oh, we had a really fun time at work last night. It was great. I'm told that most normal people, when they when they experience this, uh, you know, these shitty kind of experiences that most normal people will uh, not do it again. And me, I was like, well, that was really fucked up. Let's do it again. So... Uh, yeah, so it was on and off from there, drinking, and uh, I like to make the joke that uh, in 2010, uh, I spent that year being a drunk, because uh, I chose to do it, right? And uh, 2010, my 
one of my aunts had passed away and I definitely uh, gravitated towards places that let me let me drink or let it be uh, the norm that uh, you can drink a lot, you know. So my senior year in high school, I joined the Marine Corps. I wish I could say it was because I wanted to join the Marine Corps. It's because I was trying to impress a girl, which uh, it's not a great idea to uh, to join a branch of the military if you're trying to impress a girl. And uh, yeah, I spent uh, spent almost six years in the Marine Corps, uh, drinking just about everything I could get my hands on. About uh, about two years into that uh, that six year contract, I walked out of uh, I was reserved down in Tucson, and Walked out of work one night. I was working at uh, Little Caesars. Walked out of work one night and was just lost and didn't know what to do and didn't know who to talk to. And I walked out to my car and opened my glove box and pulled out a Glock and loaded around in the chamber. And as soon as I did that, I knew I was too scared to kill myself. Got some psyche valves done after that because I told some people and they took me to the hospital and uh, they sent me home and I went to see uh, a psychiatrist. I started taking antidepressants and uh, it really started to work. It really started to help. Um, and, you know, three months later, I thought I was fixed. This is working. Uh, so, you know what? I'm going to stop because I don't need it anymore. I can do it myself. And, you know, went on another went on another run. Started drinking, got into a uh, very, very toxic relationship. Uh, it was, you know, one one day we were dating, one day we were broken up. Uh, you know, the next couple hours, like, we couldn't live without each other. and It wasn't ever physically abusive. It was mostly, uh, mostly the mental aspect of it. Gaslighted the fuck out of each other. Uh, it was a very expensive relationship. I uh, I destroyed about six iPhones, uh, probably in the span of like three weeks. And I was not working at a job where I could sustain that kind of money. <laughs> you know, so near the end of that relationship, I started uh, started shoplifting, and because I was just trying to survive at that point, I was in survival mode. Got out of that, and uh, ever since, I've not really been in a relationship, but, uh, I moved out to Texas and, uh, when I moved out to Texas, I ended up hurting my back at work and right off the rip, they were prescribing Tylenol three and Oxycontin, Oxycodone, Hydrocodones, all that fun stuff. And, you know, if, if some of it worked, worked pretty well, uh, more of it was even better. So I was, you know, kind of popping them like breath mints at that point. I remember uh, my old boss uh, had a prescription for for methadone, uh, and I ended up uh, convincing him to give me one. And uh, methadone is no joke. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I got there and I continued to try to find something that would would ease the pain, you know, the physical pain, the mental pain, the mental exhaustion all of that. And then, uh, probably about three years ago, I found, uh, I found somebody who had meth and that sounded like a fantastic idea. 
the the reasoning that I had in my head was that uh, you know somebody that I I liked and that I cared about uh, was was doing it, and I wanted to understand. Um, I've since I've since learned that uh, that normal people don't try to understand by by doing drugs. You know they they have conversations. Yeah. So once I you know once I found uh, once I found meth, it was off to the races, man. Like. I was going to do whatever I needed to do to get it. There were times where I was like, you know what? I'm stopping. Um, I was like, I, ha- I have the willpower or like I can control this. You know, it got to a point where, where that was the delusion that I lived in was that I could control it. And because I could go a day or two days without it, it was okay. You know, I held down a job kind of, I went to that job most of the time. I, uh, I had a budget I had a budget and I budgeted uh, how much I could spend on my drugs that month. All these crazy things that I would do uh, to kind of like make me feel okay about doing this. I found every small little way to do it, you know, and then I was living with a, with a guy that I started a company with and we met one of the guys that I went to work for uh, after I got sober and, uh, the funny thing is, is that uh, almost everybody around me at that point knew that I was doing something. They just didn't know what. I remember we were going to an inspection because uh, we do roofing. Uh, and I was a public adjuster at that point. And uh, we were getting ready to go to a big inspection and uh, walk out of the house. And I lived and worked with this guy and. He said that we needed to go get four more ladders. I didn't think they were going to fit in the back of the truck. And we had a big explosion. You know, we had said that we didn't want to do some of the same things that we had left the company previously overdoing. And we ended up, you know, he ended up doing some of those same things. And instantly, you know, I had I had taken a step back from, from all the drug usage for a little bit and instantly once he was doing some of the same stuff we tried to get away from it was like cool you know what like if you're gonna if you're gonna do that then this is my reason that I'm just gonna be high all the time so we had this big blow up and I call uh the guy that I actually work for now and we went to we went to dinner I was in you know I was in survival mode where like I had to get his business before my you know my my old business partner got his business. We sit down at dinner and you know, he, I was, I was ready to tell him everything. And I'm like, I got to tell you some stuff, man. And he's like, I already know. He already talked to my business partner and knew that we had had a big explosion and stuff was going on. And he was honest with me sitting there. Uh, I didn't expect it, but you know, he had, he had had some of the same experiences that I had and was sitting in front of me and somehow had, Uh, he was seven, almost seven years sober. And it was like at that moment, I thought that everybody didn't understand and that nobody ever would. And nobody knew how I felt. And, you know, he had told me that he was seven years sober and I'm like, cool. I haven't, I haven't done anything in like three hours, but then I went to work for him, uh, a couple days later. And, uh, the first time that uh, I got into his office about 30 minutes into that day. He looked at me and he's like, is the first time you've ever been in my office? Not loaded. And I was like, Oh damn. He knew he knew. 
And at that point, I kind of realized that uh, I was the only person that didn't know that everybody else knew. My plan was to uh, not get high in his office or go into, you know, go into his world uh, loaded. Uh, I was going to be a weekend warrior. That first Friday that I spent with him, uh, they were like, hey, you want to go to a meeting at lunchtime? And I'm like, I have no idea what meeting there is at lunchtime. I didn't get that memo. But, like, if y'all are going, I'm going. Right? And I walk in there uh, with them, and it's in Tempe, Arizona. It's a, it's a ticket topic meeting, which means that, you know, they have somebody speak for five or ten minutes, and then uh, and then they pull tickets out of a basket. Um, and when you walk in the door, uh, there's somebody there handing out tickets. And it was super loud that day, and I was just trying to fit in, right? And I thought I heard them ask overeater or undereater and I, I later found out that that was not the question that they asked but i was like i don't know people are talking about like being honest and shit and like this is just a way messed up question to ask me but like i overate today right i was like if i'm gonna practice being honest like I'll start right now so you know i go to that meeting for for the next two weeks and and then one of my friends gets up there and he's speaking one day and I was going in, uh, like every other day I was like bouncing back and forth. I was like, yeah, I overate today. Yeah. I underate today. He pulls me aside because I got, my ticket got called when he was speaking and I was super stoked and just like, yes, I get to speak on what he's talking about today. And he pulls me aside at the end of the meeting and he's like, yeah, the ticket that you pulled is for over a year of sobriety. And at that point, I realized that they had been asking me over a year of sobriety or under a year of sobriety. I was just too scared to ask. You know, ever since the uh, ever since the day that I started, you know, working for this new company, October 29th of 2018 uh, is my my clean date. So uh, it was not what I expected. It's far beyond what I could ever could have imagined, which, you know, a lot of the, I think a lot of the fellowships say that if you wrote down where you think you'd be uh, after coming into this fellowship, it would exceed your wildest dreams. And and it has. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit, a little bit of background on me. So before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about your upcoming podcast and you were saying that it's not exactly a recovery podcast. Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit more about your new show and, and the idea behind it? Absolutely. The podcast is, is going to be called uh, Broken Lenses. And the, the whole idea behind Broken Lenses is, is people sharing their perspective. Uh, earlier this year, I heard this song. I guess it's a christian song i guess and there was a line in it that really just caught my attention and kind of rattled around in my brain and it's uh it says uh now you only see through broken lenses trying to keep your head above the shame and instantly i was able to connect with that because that's how i felt growing up you know i felt like i was i was trying to hide all these shameful things and trying to pretend that I was a different person. And this, this year has been one of those years where I've lost, you know, lost some, some really good friends that, uh, I didn't think I was going to lose. 
and, you know, lost some family members. You know, some of the time that was leading up to uh, these people passing away, you know, I thought that these these were the things that were going to break me. Uh, These were going to be the things that I got high over. These are the things that nobody else is going to understand. And it's this weird, for me at least, it's this weird place that uh, I feel like I can go to where if I don't hear from somebody, my perspective is that uh, if I don't hear from somebody for an extended period of time, they're probably dead. Uh, And that sucks. But uh, what I found this year is that, uh, you know, by talking about it and sharing that with somebody else, one of my good friends actually said that uh, the cool thing is, is that when you share something, you take one of those rocks that you're carrying around in your backpack, you share that with somebody else. The cool thing is, is that they don't then put that in their backpack. They have the ability to set that down and your your pack that you're carrying isn't isn't as heavy anymore. Yeah, perspective this year has uh, come into my head quite a bit and I really just wanted to talk to people about it and hear all their different perspectives and you know what worked for people, what didn't work for people, the experiences that they've had. And, you know, have a conversation and and give people kind of a safe space. It's definitely, I don't think it's going to be so much a designated recovery podcast. Just more so, you know, sharing what worked and what didn't and what experiences have, have led to uh, the perspective that you have today. Thank you again, Zach, for being on the podcast today. I would strongly encourage you guys to check out his podcast, Broken Lenses. The links for that will be in the show notes. Thanks again, Zach. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.